Amen. This morning, we're going to begin a new series for the month of August called Gather. We're going to focus on these words of Jesus from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your amazing love and grace for us. You're worthy of all our praise, all that we have and all that we are. And all that we give to you, Lord, we give to you in celebration and thanksgiving for all that you've given to us through your death on the cross and your resurrection from the grave. Bless us, we pray, as we gather this day in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, it is August, and that means this is the last Sunday before, the last weekend before school starts again. So how many of you are ready for school to start again? You know, some of you are like, yeah, you know, my kids are out of the house. doesn't really matter. Some of you are like, yes, the kids are out of the house for part of the day. You know, life kind of begins a new routine. Some of you are excited because you haven't seen your classmates for, you know, whole summer. Others are like, ugh. And then some of you are, of course, beginning a new adventure. You're headed off to college. So it's kind of exciting as you get ready to start this new chapter in your life. But as you talk about, you know, school kicking off, I thought, well, let's kick things off just like a teacher might with a question. Uh, the questions are great because they just kind of get the wheels spinning in our heads. So here's our question this morning. The question is this. What is one group to which you belong and what does it mean to belong to this group? So if you're online watching us, you know, if you're watching on Facebook, you can type some answers out if you want. If you hear it person, you can shout something out, or you can just let the wheels spin and have a conversation with yourself inside your mind. That kind of sounds weird. <laughs> but what is one group that you belong to? You probably belong to more than one group. I mean, some of you may belong to like a bowling league, you know? It's a group. You're going to go bowling. It's one of the only places my friends and I got kicked out of was a bowling league. Luke Air Force Base. It wasn't my fault. But we are told not to come back. You know, or, or maybe, you know, maybe you belong to a group that, you know, does, does gardening, you know, and, and you love to garden, you get together with other people and you talk about how you garden. You know, it's not something that I do. I tend just to kill things, plants at least. Or maybe you belong to something like, like a motorcycle group, you know, you know, if Tim was here, Tim would say, pastor, get a motorcycle. And my mom's watching. She says, No. Every once in a while, she says, we're talking, she says, tell Tim, no. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we love to be part of groups, and, and when you're part of a group, you know, you belong, and, you know, we often have a purpose of why we're part of this group. And, you know, growing up, one of the groups that I was a part of was Boy Scouts. I love Boy Scouts. Went camping, you know, learned survival skills, you know, worked on trails out, you know, along the state, you know, the state parks and, and national parks, you know, did things like fell down a mountain, rolling down the hill. A lot of, lot of fun stuff. You know, in high school, I was in um, ROTC, and if you were, you know, ROTC stands for Reserve Officer Training Corps, they're actually Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps, you know, and within that group was part of the With Arms Drill Team. So we wore those beautiful dress blue wool uniforms in a hot Arizona sun. You know, had the white gloves, shiny shoes and brims, and we'd do things like take those rifles and we would lob them just right and they would spin so wonderfully and we'd catch them and do all kinds of fancy things. One time we did that, I was the guy in the center with eight guys circled around me. And, and they would lob 
those rifles so that they would go like one in front, one in back. If you lob the rifle the right way, it spins beautifully. I mean, it's just, it's marvelous. But if you don't lob the rifle the right way, then James gets hit on top of the head with the butt of the rifle and gets this big old welt. And then we come up with a nickname for the guy that did that because that rifle went boom. Probably explains a lot, huh? <laughs> you know, what groups do you belong to, and, and what does it mean to belong to these groups? I mean, we not only we may be with groups like, you know, bowling or gardening or motorcycles, you know, we can be with groups that are online groups, maybe people we've never met before. You know, we've got a connection, you know, we're, we're on Facebook or you know, Instagram, and, and we follow people, or we can connect with each other that way. Maybe belong to groups that are not just local, but, but you know, state or, or national, even global groups. And it's important for us to belong as part of what it means to be human as we belong to groups. All right, so that leads to another question. And the next question is this. What do you think of when you hear the word church? Because this is a group. Yeah, I heard someone say, you know, Christians. And sometimes we, we think of the word church, we think of something like this here, a building, right? There's a building, we got the image up there, go ahead and put that up there. We got this building right here. Do you recognize this building, by the way? Okay. You know, you know often, I, like, if I go get my hair cut, and, and get my hair cut, and then, you know, they ask questions like, oh, so what do you do for a living? And like, oh, you know, it depends on my mood. Because sometimes, you know, I come up with creative things. I'm a spiritual engineer. (laughs) To which people are like, what? (laughs) And if if I'm playful, I I carry the conversation on a little further. Well, I I, I help people engineer their spiritual lives. I help, you know, know, work the design, you know, how they grow spiritually. And still looking confused, I usually finally just say, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh. And they're like, oh. And then usually they ask, like, what, what church are you at? I'm at Holy Savior Lutheran Church on 10th Superior. That's another thing, right? A location. 10th Superior. And then they think for a moment. And they're like, mean that white building on 10th Superior? I thought that was a bank. <laughs> I'm like, it's not a bank. Cross is kind of a dead giveaway. But, you know, maybe you didn't see that. But also we use the word church, we talk about church, sometimes we don't think just about a building and a location, we think about it's time, right? You know, unless you hit the snooze button one too many times, you know, hopefully by at least 10 o'clock you're out of bed and on your way here. If not, maybe, hello, you're watching this live stream this morning because you hit the snooze too many times. But church is that time. What time are we gathering for worship? What time are we coming together? But as we hear that word church and we explore what it means for us to gather as church, we're going to explore these words of Jesus, not from Romans, but from Matthew 16. And let's read these words together, Matthew 16, 18. You are Peter, and I can guarantee that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. So let's put this in context here. This is Jesus gathered with his disciples. Now you talk about school. You know the word disciple 
really is like a word that means pupil or student. And then Jesus was a rabbi, which is a Hebrew word for what? For teacher. And so unlike, you know, those of you who are headed back to school here, you know, school is kind of Monday through Friday from maybe 8.30 to 3.30. Unless you're in college, then it's 12.30 to 12.30 or something. I don't know. Depends on your schedule. They lived life with Jesus. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. For three years, they lived life with Jesus, learning from him. They saw him do miraculous things. Many of those miraculous things and the things that he said and taught are recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's so much more that they saw that isn't recorded for us. They saw Jesus open the eyes of the blind, loose the tongues of those who were mute, enable the deaf to hear, that he healed those whose bodies were broken and, and twisted, who, who couldn't walk, that he removed those who had fevers, that he even raised the dead back to life. And he taught through stories and, and challenging you know, the spiritual leaders about God's love and really what it means to follow God and to live in his love. And sometimes Jesus, on this, this teaching journey of life, you know, he took his disciples to places that normally they wouldn't go, like Samaria. Any good Jewish, you know, religious person would not go to Samaria. They were, they were, they were the outcast people. And in the context here, when Jesus speaks these words, he goes to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Pistessary Philippi kind of in a, in a context. It's like a number of years ago when we were on the Poland mission trip. And, uh, and some of you, you know, as part of that trip, you knew for a number of years we went through Amsterdam. Have you ever been to Amsterdam before? Amsterdam's a really cool city, you know, um, depending on what time of the day you visit it. One time we got there, it was early in the morning, and they hadn't cleaned up. And there was stuff in the streets. People drank a lot. Nasty. Another time we got there later at night, and I was concerned about the team of people because I was the team leader, so I had to make sure that nobody wandered off, you know, where they shouldn't have been. And as I'm doing that, and later on, they're like, James, do you realize where we were at? I'm like, well, we were in Amsterdam, and all of you are here. That's all that mattered. But like, you missed completely where we were at. Because what I didn't do is didn't, I didn't do what some of them did is they looked up the windows and saw the ladies hanging out the windows. We were walking through the red light district. You know, that, that's kind of Caesarea Philippi. I completely missed it, you know. I was just like, you're all here and we're all back in the airport, so we're good. But any good Jewish religious person, any good Jewish man, Hebrew man, would not have gone to Caesarea Philippi. This is a place that you know, kind of like that red light district. This is a place they didn't belong and they didn't feel comfortable. And yet Jesus brought them here to Caesarea Philippi, to this, this place called, you know, the gates of Hades or the gates of hell, depending on your translation, where they believed literally in, the, in this cave that was the entrance to hell, to Hades. And as Jesus gathers his disciples there, he asks the question, who do people say that I am? You know, they begin answering, well, some say you're John the Baptist, you know, and if you kind of know some of the biblical timelines, by this time, John the Baptist was what? He was beheaded. He was dead. 
Or some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets who's come back to life. And then Jesus gets more pointed with this question. He says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Imagine it, maybe just, just that moment of, of silence as nobody wants to say anything. Maybe they know what they should say. But it's Peter, you know, I don't know, Peter's the guy that, like, in a classroom that always has the right answer. But he stands up and says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus goes on to say, you know, Peter, you are spot on. You are right. Now, it's not man that has made this evidence to you. It is God the Father who's given you faith to believe this. And then Jesus goes on to say these words here that we have in Matthew 16, 18. And there's, we spend a lot of time tearing apart, you know, exploring, you know, this one verse. There's a lot here. He says, you are Peter, and I can guarantee that on this rock, this confession that Peter makes, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the gates of Haiti will not overpower it. They cannot conquer the church. But the word that Jesus uses for my church, you know, some etymology here, if you like etymology, again, school starting, so why not some etymology? You know, the word church itself, you know, um, is, is a word that really means the Lord's house. And so part of the etymology of our English word church comes from the old Scottish, which, you know, the Lord's house was kirk. And so you could see kirk where kirk, you know, becomes church. But this is not the word that Jesus uses. The word church is not the Lord's house. The word church that Jesus uses is this Greek word, ekklesia. And ekklesia simply means this, a group of people called together for a purpose. A group of people gathered together for a purpose. Ekklesia. It's a word that is used not only here by Jesus when he says the gates of Hades will not overcome his gathering of people, this group of people called together for a purpose, called together by faith and in baptism, but how the Holy Spirit. It's one that we see even you know, throughout the book of Acts and some of the other New Testament writings. For example, here in Acts 7, verse 38, let's read this together. This is the Moses who was in the assembly in the desert. So this is the Moses. If you know Moses, he was in the desert. He's leading God's people out of slavery in Egypt towards the promised land. And this is the what? The assembly. Guess what the word assembly is in the original Greek language? It's the word ekklesia. It's the gathering of people who had a purpose. Their purpose is they're going to follow, you know, with Moses to move out of Egypt into the promised land to worship God. A little further in Acts, we read these words, Acts 30, 19.32. Let's read together. The crowd was confused. Most of the people didn't even know why they had come together. Again, it's that same word, that same root word. They had come together. They had gathered together. Now, they didn't know their purpose, so why they gathered together, but they had begun gathering together. If you've been part of a crowd that has just gathered together, if you're trying to see what's going on. A little further in Acts 19, verse 39, let's read together. 
If you want anything else, you must settle the matter in a legal assembly. So again, now the people, this crowd of people are being told, look, if you're going to settle things, you've got to do it legally in an assembly. Much like we have in our own judicial system, sometimes some of us are called to be a gathering of people for a court hearing. And you're called the what? The jury. I've never been on jury duty. For years, Arizona was still asking for me to show up for jury duty. I'm like, I've been gone for years. Over a decade. But yeah, this assembly was this ecclesia, you know, a group that is gathered now for a purpose, an obvious purpose. They are jurors. And then just a few verses later, verse 41. After saying this, he dismissed the assembly. So again, that word ecclesia is a gathering of people. But that, you know, leads us really to another question. What is this assembly of people we call the church. Because we're, we are not jurors and we don't just gather to gather. We gather for a reason. We gather because we are called by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called and gathered in faith in who Jesus is and all that he's done for us and for the world by his death on the cross. His blood poured out for us. And he gives this gathering a purpose. We gather to share and celebrate his love, and he sends us out to share his love with the world. So ultimately, you know what are we? We are a community of Jesus followers, gathered together in his love, sharing his love, and taking his love out into the world and the community in which we live. So as we think about this, this gathering of people, I think it looks maybe something a little more like this here. And this image, you know, of a folks gathered around a table to celebrate. We're going to do that today. Not quite in the same way. We're going to gather at the table here to receive the gift that our Lord offers through bread and wine, his body and blood broken and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. We're going to gather and we're going to receive the gift that he gives. We're going to share his love, much like we did a number of us who gathered to help, you know, for Gene's funeral service this last week. We gather and celebrate and encourage Jerry and family. We gather together the resources we have so that we can support one of our schools in the community. We gather school supplies. We gather together and we celebrate. You know, we are gathered together even, even as we said like last week, you know, we are connected in Christ. Because ultimately, say, you know, what is our purpose and Holy Savior? We've defined that purpose is that as we gather together as a community of Jesus followers, we're all about this, growing in Jesus and sharing his love. And we've said it this way many times before. Who are we? We are a gathering of people, striving to act like a family, committed to serving in love, because we're all about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. As we gather, grow, and go. So today we gather like we do so many days of the year because Jesus has gathered us together in his love to share his love and to send that love into our community and our world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing love and grace for us. We give you thanks and praise that by the power of the Spirit you have gathered us together, the whole church throughout all the time, throughout all the world, Lord, especially here, for those of us gathered here at Holy Savior. 
May we continually gather in your love and in that love, share your love with one another, with our community and our world. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.